Welcome to Professional Coaches and Personal Friends. This is episode 18. And in this one, we discuss optimal appraisals. Here's a quick preview. Well, it's that thing that people say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I would rather it wasn't a 50 50 call. Um, and so an, an optimal appraisal is then saying, well, how does this make me stronger? And this puts you back in control and allows you to take everything from the past and create it into a trampoline, into a springboard, into a catalyst, so that you can say to yourself or your team or your family or your industry or your city and look and say, we have never been as in strong a position as we are in at this moment because we've experienced more than we've ever experienced. We've got expertise that we've never had before. We now know things that we didn't know before. We're now more able than ever. And where that link then goes to the future is from that position of a trampoline, a springboard, from your strongest position ever, what really should you be aiming for in the future? And for the people who mean the most to you around, why would you hold back on that? You know, this is something that, you know, helping others connect with their optimal appraisal is, is one of the greatest things you can do for people. So welcome back, podcast. That was Stephen discussing optimal appraisal. This is me, Warren, just giving a quick intro. I want just to get straight into this topic. For me, I think this is genuinely transformative. It's a way of taking everything that's ever happened, whether it's in a morning or a week or, in, or a year or, or even decades, and to package all of that, reframe all of that, to set you up for something amazing, for something different, for something bigger, for something transformative. There's a real simple process and structure in this. But the first thing is to really get around of why this is so important. Not letting the past dictate the future. And then a simple how. The how is explained simply. It does take a little bit of work, but it is worth doing. It's something that I feel can be used when you're setting yourself up for new plans. Something when you're thinking about something which has happened in the past. Which maybe wasn't ideal. This helps you to reframe all of those. I'm going to jump straight into it. You've heard a little bit from Stephen already. I hope you enjoy this. If you've got any questions, send us a note at podcast at coachpro.online. We're taking a break for a few weeks and we're going to be back in the new year with a whole new section. So if there are things you think we should be talking about or you'd like to hear more of, please let us know. I'll be back at the end. Here comes the cheesy music. been a long week this morning I'll tell you um, <laughs> concentrate and plant the flowers and not try to rip out the weeds I'm fine let's go Edinburgh we're on zoom still can you hear me clear and loud clear and loud great this is a that's a good start we've already got already the wrong way round. so that's fantastic right so today we're going to discuss, and this is one of my favorite topics, is optimal appraisal. So first of all, I mean, these are two big words, lots of syllables, good for Scrabble. But what do they mean? What does optimal appraisal mean? Appraisal, first of all, is your ability to assess either something or someone. So we're, we're constantly appraising things or people or situations or whole lot of things in my personal professional life and making a judgment on them. So we're, we're assessing. So that's what an appraisal is. You're appraising something. Optimal appraisal is how do you make sure that you're optimizing that assessment? Okay. Not just for where it's been and where it is, but importantly for where you want it to get to. Yeah. Okay. So the optimal bit is make sure you do this with your outcome. And we talk about the outcome and, and the end in mind that you've got. So do the best appraisal of people situations possible okay 
And what do and what do people get confused with? Is there something it's definitely not? Well, assessments are based upon what has occurred or data that you have or experience you have, rather than just going to emotional judgment. Assessment is more of a, a logical, intelligent way of dealing with it rather than going to judgment, which is an emotional thing, um, which tends to be projection. So without assessment, you go to judgment. Uh, and therefore, your appraisal becomes emotionally driven. Yes. Either based upon what you like or don't like or how you're feeling within yourself or you're feeling about that person or that situation or that thing. So optimal appraisal, first of all, is about making sure you're making a logical, intelligent, data-driven appraisal of things, but it's optimal. Get it. So you have a judgment, which is almost, I say, like a knee-jerk type of reaction. And we talked about some of this in the emotional management one, whereas an appraisal is more considered. It's a really good way of putting it. And it's important to appreciate that we, we have a lot of formal and conscious appraisal of things. Um, so you have you know, your formal appraisals maybe in a work setting or your formal appraisal with interviews or uh, with formal meetings or discussions. So we have all these formal events, these set plays for appraisals, but we also have the informal uh, appraisals where we are thinking about how's this relationship going? Where am I financially? Where am I in my career? Where am I with the car I drive, the house I live in? How am I with my kids? How am I in the relationships that I have? externally how how do I think I'm doing how am I performing you can appraise the decor in your living room there's a whole load of things that you will informally appraise you'll appraise the city you live in the climate you live in you'll appraise the holiday or vacation you've been on so you'll have all these informal appraisals and then the deeper level is you have a lot of subconscious appraisals where you're continually assessing so many things not even consciously, that then has an effect. So your ability to not just positively or negatively appraise formally, informally or subconsciously, but to have that ability of knowing what optimal appraisal looks like. That's where appraisal goes on, not just formally, not just informally, but it's also happened at a subconscious level. We're programmed to make assessment of things, assessing for danger, assessing for opportunity, assessing the things we like or don't like, and therefore that optimal appraisal becomes really, really important. Yep. So this is then, you talk about we do this all the time. So when we think of appraisals, and it is, as I said, it's a big word, you know, it's an unusual word to to use. But the fact is then what you're saying is, is it isn't a one-off thing. It isn't just this professional appraisal. It's something you're doing all the time. And if you're not optimally, optimally appraising, then you may be doing like snap judgments, poor judgments, emotional judgments. So this is a good thing to, this is a good thing to learn. Basically, this is a good thing to, to have in your locker. Yeah. And the, there's also I've experienced over the years is not just that there's a lot of suboptimal appraisals. Some people don't have the confidence to appraise because they don't either think they're entitled to appraise or they've got enough information to appraise or they ignore their natural appraisal of things because they think, well, that's just me. Maybe that's because of my confidence or how I'm feeling or the situation I'm in. And therefore what they do is they they don't validate that appraisal that they do have. So optimal appraisal is about making it, as you say, more considered, but optimal and getting the most out of that uh, appraisal both for yourself and those around you. Okay, so we know it's important. If I'm good at opt- if I'm good at appraising optimally, yeah, I'm good at this, then it means I've got a better opportunity I've got a better chance of getting to the outcome I want to. This is what it's about. So, you know, well, I've got purpose, I've got goals, whatever it is, if I'm able to read the situation, read other people, read myself, read intentions, all of this. If I do this optimally, I will be able to make better decisions about where I want to go to in the future. Is that it? Yeah, with, with, without, without optimal appraisal, 
um, you can get into just trying to predict or follow the trajectory of things. So something is disappointing. And if your appraisal of that is that's a disappointment, that's a failing, that's something that's gone wrong, you then say, okay, so what's going to happen next is. And what's going to happen next is based upon what's just occurred. Okay. So that trajectory just continues. Equally, something goes well, then suboptimal appraisal is that's went well, let's hope that continues. And again, what you're doing is you're just wanting to predict that trajectory. Optimal appraisal can totally disrupt that trajectory. It's where big leaps can be made. It's where transformational change can happen. It's where, you know, big steps of improvement can occur that wouldn't just continue to happen. Yes. Otherwise. Okay. That's your optimal, um, why it's so important that that's the effect that it can have. What that affects on you is that it can then impact your confidence, your ambition, your um, self-awareness, your connection with other people, your resilience, all the things we've talked about before, about aiming bigger, having the confidence, setting bigger goals. Optimal appraisal is a great engine to be able to then set those bigger goals, which reinforces your value, your worth, your self-confidence, your ambition, your energy, your resilience, all these things are really important. Great. Conversely, suboptimal appraisal can take you in the opposite direction. And a lot of those things then can start to be chipped away at and undermined. You're right. So, I mean, this is, you know, in cod psychology, I mean, this is all like looking at the bright side of life type thing. This is looking at something and, and making a decision that this is actually a useful thing, a good thing, a positive thing that's happening and not necessarily getting sort of taken out down into a, a, you know, a cycle of despair or something. Yeah, and to link back to the word you had used earlier, which was considered, and this helps you understand the difference between just being positive and being optimistic. Yes. And optimal is about optimism. Great. So being positive is not just bad things happening, but let's look on the positive side, which is an emotional thing, but very surface level. Optimism is more based upon understanding what's going on and using what's going on to still be able to say, and I now believe better things can now occur because of it. Wait a second. So optimism is, that's a nice description. I now believe that better things can occur. Yes, because of what's happened. So I'm fully aware of what's going on and I still remain optimistic that better things can occur rather than positivity as, you know, things haven't gone well, but but it could all turn. You know, I'm still remaining positive. I'm still not giving up. Optimism is that more considered approach, which is why optimal appraisals are more considered. Why that intelligent approach is more sustainable than the emotional is the emotion can flip depending on how you're feeling. Whereas that more considered approach is more resilient. It's stronger, particularly when the wind doesn't blow the way you want it to. Okay, this sounds good. So this is a good reason to want to do this then. So where do I start with this? When's a good place for me to start using this? Because like with all these things, we've got to, pra- we've got to practice it before before it becomes um intuitive i mean that's that maybe that's one way or becomes a, a habit so what's a good what's a good place where maybe i'm doing it already or maybe i should start doing it or where it's easy for me to start practicing well if if we look at the kind of formal uh, appraisal situation so if we go to somewhere that you you either know or you can imagine and that's that formal appraisal of sitting down with somebody that might even be sitting with yourself. It might be sitting with your boss. It might be sitting with someone who works with you or for you. You might be sitting with a member of your family or a friend, but you're sitting with somebody. There's a formal appraisal going on. That being, let's check in and appraise where we are. Okay. So do you do a formal appraisal with yourself? I mean, what do you do? Do you put a tie on and a shirt on and a jacket on? I mean, a formal appraisal, you say you sit down with yourself. With is this something you would do? It's something we all do. Yeah? Okay. Sometimes people are doing it uh, in the shower. 
some people are doing it because either when they, they wake up in the morning or because they can't get to sleep. Uh, others are doing it every now and again when they either get the promotion, don't get the promotion, when things are going well or when things go bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have that formal appraisal question of what am I doing? Okay, so it's the question itself, which is the formal bit, not the setting or the situation. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Consciously, formally appraising a situation. Then what the hell's going on now? Okay. You know, if you're following a football or soccer team or you're watching a box set or the series on the TV and you're formally appraising, how do you think this is going so far? That is appraisal. Yeah. Again, it's the formal, it's these use of words, like optimal appraisal and formal, you know, it feels like it's a mixture of, as I said, you know, a world scrabble championships and, and an insurance company, but this makes sense. Okay. So this is the, it's the question, which is the formal thing is how, you know, where are we? What's going on? Okay. So, you know, if you take that situation and there's, so there's three elements to appraisal. So if, and, and you know, you and I have worked um, for a long period of time. So when you would bring some of your top salespeople in for their annual appraisal, you know, which is a really long time to be, you know, checking in with someone. But, you know, logistically, it kind of t- tends to be an annual appraisal. Normally, yep. it's, normally it's the quarter appra- quarterly appraisal that never occurred for three times. So now it's become an annual appraisal. So HR insists, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how much of your time was focused on the past and how much of your time in that appraisal was focused on the future, typically? Well, it's pretty much 80-20. I mean, this was the point. You know, this is what 80% of what's happened and going through results and good things and bad things and learning moments. And then maybe at the end, it would be what sort of thing should we work on together? And that's that was the big thing that was always focused on. Um, not how much time you spent, but that it was a joint plan going forward. But it would be, yeah, 10 20%. Yeah. So 80%. Past twenty percent future. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and look, when when I was on the receiving end of appraisals, particularly in the early years uh, in kind of sales, you wanted the eighty percent covered, particularly if your figures were good. Uh, you wanted that eighty percent to be about the past because you wanted that to evidence and justify and push your commission, your bonus, your promotion, absolutely. whatever. Absolutely. You know, when, when your figures weren't so good, it would be quite good to get a, yeah, 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 no, but but there's good stuff coming. So you would want to sort of push it um, more into the future. And certainly when I was uh, then doing appraisals uh, for people um, and my team, there would be the tendency to do most of it in the past. And I'll be honest, the future piece kind of was something at the end saying, have you got any development needs? Um, and that was the sort of token uh, gesture of that let's be forward looking. Uh, and that is all suboptimal. Yes. The optimal distribution of time in terms of uh, optimal appraisal is 20% on the past. Okay. Then 30% on the present, which is the bit that most people will miss. Mm-hmm. And that allows you then to spend 50% half the time focused on the future. So 20% past, 30% present, 50% future. Okay. So at the moment, I'm thinking that, I mean, in a formal appraisal structure, like we're talking about a workplace professional, not a formal sitting in the shower asking himself how things are. I mean, this just isn't possible because of the way the forms are, are laid out and everything. So I'm going to try and put that to one side for a second and just think about in a, if I'm sitting with a member of my team and it's not necessarily, I'm not, this isn't, because I think a lot of the formal appraisers form filling in there. You know, there's there's a reason you're filling in this this historical document because it's going to be on file somewhere. But if this is about a genuine management leadership development nurturing coaching moment then what you're saying is is this is the structure to think about it the 20 the 30 and the 50 yeah look and, and i've got clients many clients when they show me the appraisal system the formal appraisal forms and systems that they have yeah. and the vast majority is focused in the past okay. then what i'll say to them is look if you've got an hour 
it means you've got 12 minutes to get the form dealt with and get out of the way. Because if that form is all focused on the past, you've got 20% of that hour to get that past piece dealt with. So get the form done in 12 minutes. All right. So even though the process, the formal part of it is very much focused on the past, if that's the case, and I've got a lot of clients who've adapted their appraisal system since that, but even so, you still get 12 minutes. So get the form okay. filling and done within 12 minutes and get that past bit dealt with so that you can then go on to the present. Okay. So I'm I'm the sales guy. I'm sitting there. Obviously, I've had a record-breaking year because, you know, I mean, it's my story. <laughs> I could say what I, it's my fantasy. I could say what I want. And like you said, and, and, and rightly, I mean, you – you know, you, you want to spend some time on this. This was, this, this was good. So if you're not going to spend, if you're only going to spend 20% of the time on that, what, yeah, what, what were you going to talk about? What's, what are we talking about for the now then? What's the 30%? Well, first of all, if we confirm what the past is, what the past consists of. Okay. The past consists of everything that has occurred up until now. So that is all the good, all the bad, all the positive, all the negative, all the great results, all the disappointments, all the easy stuff, all the stuff that was difficult, all the stuff that had been expected, all the stuff that was unexpected. It's gathering together everything that occurred, everything. Because it's really important that although the past is only 20% of the process, it is a very important part of the process. It's a really important 20%. Without it, you, you risk going into the, yeah, yeah, just go over it, let's go. Okay. And therefore, you don't get the value of the past. And the past is gathering and acknowledging and respecting everything that has occurred. Okay. The good, the bad, the indifferent. Everything that's occurred. Then you're paying respect to it. And that is the beginning of the optimal appraisal process, is acknowledging and identifying that stuff that's happened in the past. Yeah. There may also be some things that you're aware of that the other person isn't aware of and some things that they're aware of that you didn't know. So by being able to get all of that out, the good, the bad, the indifferent, we're able then to say, wow, what a period of time it has been. You know, So if you're in a formal appraisal, it's an annual appraisal, what a 12 months this has been. Yeah. If you're doing a, a, an optimal appraisal in yourself, you might be saying what a 30, 40, 50 years, 60 years it's been, mm. or what a 10 years it's been at this company, mm. or what a 20 years this has been in the marriage. Or even just as you just said, I mean, that form of appraisal is a question. It could be what a crazy week I've just had. Yeah. yeah. What, what a morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, okay. So it's, it's what's occurred. And it's respecting that and knowing that when you know that the past doesn't have to define the future, you can be more honest about what's occurred and understand that you can label you know, things quite safely as either being good or bad because it's what you're going to do with it. But you can be honest and you don't have to go into denial or just trying to be you know, surface level positive. It's all good. It's all great. If it's all good and it's all great, you're probably not aware of everything that's going on. And equally, if it's all bad and nothing's working, you're also not paying attention to everything that's going on. I agree. And I think, and yeah, knowing this process a little bit, I think this is part of it, is that honesty with yourself. Once you know, once you take it, you rinse everything through this process, is actually you kind of want to get this all out. Don't let, don't leave it hidden, you know, get it out. Like you say, acknowledge it, identify it, call it out, point it out. Because once it goes through the, the, the process, it's transformed. It, it's something different, you know, so you want everything to go through this process, don't you? You know, it, it is better for everyone that is out in the open. And, and we talked yeah. before that you're not confronting it, you know, it's, it's going to be hidden and doing damage somewhere else. So take anything good and bad and take it. Yeah. And, and it allows you to see that it's always a mixed, and it's always a mixed bag. You know, if you're aware enough, that it's always a mixed bag. Anybody who tells you everything is just all good and super and great and fantastic then you've got to wonder what else they're not aware of or in, or in denial of. Equally, the people who will tell you everything's bad and everything's difficult and everything's uncertain and we're all doomed, 
you've equally got to look at and say, what else are you not aware of or are you in denial of? Because if we look at that accurate appraisal of the past, which is that 20% of the appraisal, but it's an important 20%, is what's occurred. And it allows you to then say, well, what's been good? What's been surprising? What's been difficult? What was unexpected? What bits did I like? What bits didn't I like? Because what you might think was good, I think was a disappointment and vice versa. Yeah. So, but we gather it all together, and that's what the twenty percent piece consists of. It allows you to get it all off your chest. It's all there, and recognize and respect everything that has occurred over that period of time, whether it's a week, a day, or forty years. Okay. So the, at twelve minutes, <laughs> get. Get talking quick, pal. No, but that makes sense. No, I mean, the principle of this makes total sense. So we take all of these experiences, then this leads us into the present. Yes, and and this is the bit that most people will miss because most people will go past to future. And because everyone's past, there'll be a mix of things. What it just does is it projects that the future is going to continue to be a mix of things. And more or less that the future is going to be another version of what we've already had in the past, which is why things for a lot of people don't have those inflection points. It's just a continuation and almost here we, here we go. There's nothing's going to change. Okay. I see what you mean. So, so this isn't just then a question of reframing the past so you can, change the trajectory of your of your future so that's not you're saying is actually this is almost um yeah i'm thinking of a railway track this is actually a stopping point this isn't about this you know you've got a chance to what dramatically change the shape of your future from your past if you do this process properly yes otherwise your past is going to determine what your future is going to be yeah you can do nothing to change the past But unfortunately, if you allow the past to dictate your future, it also means that you're stepping back from being able to shape your future because you're allowing your past to do that. And that's why you get repetitive cycles. Yeah. So this isn't just then about making your past feel like it's better because then that changes the trajectory of your future. You're just saying is wherever it's gone, just that's it. Stop take a second because wherever you go next, it doesn't need to be any level of, because you're not changing the path, changing the path of the past, wherever the past goes to, goes to, but the present then is this, it is an important moment. Where you can really try and change the well, trajectory. What we do is we suboptimally appraise then the present and the present becomes like a trampoline or a springboard yeah. or a catalyst for disruption to stop the past then continuing its just straight line to your future, but actually you can jump on that trampoline, you can jump on that springboard, you can create the present as a catalyst for special and spectacular things to be happening. Okay, that sounds good. Okay. So how do I do that then with my well, present? Well, you've got your past, which is everything that's occurred, good, bad, and different. Yeah. You're then jumping onto the present, and this is where you should spend 30% of your time. So the same amount of time and half again. Yeah. And this is five key things that are in your present. Okay. So the five key things are your experience. Yeah. Your expertise. Your knowledge. Mm-hmm. your ability and qualification. So five things, experience, expertise, knowledge, ability, and qualification. Okay, and this is present. So this is in the present. So the question you need to ask yourself on these five things is, what? first of all, what experience do I now have? And this is because, and this is the past, basically. So based upon all of your past, yeah. what experience have you now gained? Exactly. Okay. Okay. What ex- what areas of expertise have you now gained because of the past? Okay. What do you now know for certain that you might just have been guessing about before? What do you now know for certain 
because of the past. Okay. And what are you now able to do because of everything that's occurred in the past? And then the qualification piece is where it all sort of comes together, is how can you now qualify where you are right now as you've been in your strongest position ever? Based upon you've never had this amount of experience before, you've never had this level of expertise, you've never known more than you now know, and you've never been as able as you are now. Yeah. So how can I then qualify this as being me in my strongest position ever? So this then makes sense. And with what you said about the 20% then is so you're able to take good, bad, everything and just say there's certain things, experience I've learned. So I know things now that I will never want to do that way again. So there's, that's knowledge, that's ability. That's, that, that, you know, there's certain things I now know for certain, certain things I can trust that could happen, certain things that uh, I know I can do. So if I take all this out, this is why, and that's this is the statement, isn't it? I'm in the strongest position ever. And I know that, we, you know, we've done this loads of times before, and I remember that we'll do this after like a really bad year or a bad queue. You'd have lost a couple of big customers. And then how you're using this to transform it is, what would you do differently next time? You know, you've learned when you lose a big customer, when you lose a big contract, when you when your figures, you know, tank, of course, there's awful stuff on it, but that's an amazing learning experience as well. And actually to identify it, name it and stick it actually as a something positive in your present is really powerful. It really does transform awful things into fuel for the future, which is, I guess, is that's the point of that pro that, that 30%. It is, it is nuts. I've seen it happen. It makes you feel, it take dismay and misery and actually make it feel like this is really powerful learning. Yeah, well, it's what are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know, and, and this is using it to go and make something special and spectacular happen that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So all the things we're experiencing, and there's always good and bad, and there's, there's difficult things to get through, but you've now experienced that. What are you going to do with it? Exactly. So you can't change the past. There's 100 fridge magnets will tell us, but what you're going to do with it is, is the key question. Yeah. And this puts you back in control and allows you to take everything from the past and create it into a trampoline, into a springboard, into a catalyst. Yeah. So that you can say to yourself or your team or your family uh, or your business or your industry, or your city, and look and say, we have never been as in strong a position as we are in at this moment because we've experienced more than we've ever experienced. We've got expertise that we've never had before. We now know things that we didn't know before. We're now more able than ever. So why is this the strongest position that we've ever been in? Yes. And where that link then goes to the future is from that position of a trampoline, a springboard, from your strongest position ever, what really should you be aiming for in the future? Yes. From your strongest position ever. I mean, this is, it's, that's such a great way of looking at it, isn't it? Everything. And even time. I mean, I know, know this is one of the things you say, how many people are in the company? What have you learned in the last three months? You know, you've got 20 years more experience. It's just like literally everyone's just staying here. I mean, it's, it's a great way of reframing well, you know, everything that's happened in the past. So it turns into your strongest position ever. So from your strongest position ever is then where I guess then we're going straight to the 50%. Yeah. So you spend the time, you reframe everything that's ever happened, good, bad, different, positive, da, 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 into you look at your experience, your expertise, your knowledge, your abilities, and therefore, you know, we're qualified to do so much more than, than we've ever done before then that's why then you say to everyone, everyone wants to spend time on the 50%, I guess, now then as well. You've you've created an environment where everyone can't wait to see what they're going to do. Now. Well, well, your expectation, the 50%, your ambition in that 50%, your aims for that future yeah, should then be a lot greater jumping from that springboard of the present where you're in your strongest position ever. Yeah. rather than trying to reach for something from the past into the future. You're right. And that's why you use the trampoline then story or 
at this station is your past isn't determining which way you're going to go. It's not about shifting it 10 degrees or 20 degrees. You can actually go totally and utterly in a different direction because of trampoline or the station. and, And one of the sort of key things of that is that you might look at something in the past and judge that you should have been further on on a certain thing than you should than you are you know you you might have you should have completed something or you should have launched something or you should have achieved something by then and that's in the past now if you allow that past to move into the future that may just actually discourage and dishearten you enough that you stop trying but if you jump that down into the present and say, well, I've now got more experience, expertise, knowledge and ability, I should be more confident in doing that now than ever. Yeah. And actually using that dissatisfaction of, I think I should be further on than I am. So given I've got experience, expertise, knowledge, ability, this qualifies, this is the time really to go for it. In fact, maybe I should be aiming to go beyond that. Yeah, you're right. It allows you to determine how big that future can be, which is then really good for your control, your emotions, your resilience, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, your identity. It'll affect how you engage with yourself. It'll affect how you engage with others. It'll affect the people you attract into your life. It'll, It'll give you clarity on the people who don't have a great purpose in your life for the future because maybe they were more of the past. There's a whole load of things that change because you have this optimal appraisal of things. This is good. That reframing of everything into, yeah, you're converting everything into rocket fuel. I mean, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's great. Okay. There's, there's, I mean, and you take this into other people as well because some people are very good at looking within themselves with this. Others, they'll see it more clearly in others. And so I look at my two sons and they're in soccer and coaching and I still look at them and I look at the things they're, they're going through and I think, oh, I sometimes wish for them these things weren't happening and then other things are really good and I'm so delighted they're happening. Well, good or bad, my delight or otherwise, what's going to be a value of what they're experiencing, the expertise they're developing, what they're learning in terms of what they now know and what they're able to do, and then what are they doing with that? Yeah, because it's the real values and what they're going to do with everything they're going through, not whether I like it or not. Yes. And what helps me have that perspective with them is I look at all the things that I might label as good or bad, right or wrong, strong or weak, but I look at, well, where are they headed? And therefore, how can this help them in terms of their experience, their expertise, their knowledge and their ability? And you're right, that's almost the most powerful, that that appraisal. Appraisal then suddenly actually makes more sense as a word when you talk about it like this, that that optimal appraisal is kind of of the present, isn't it? It's looking, it doesn't really matter what they're going through. It's What really matters then is how they take that on board and how they use that for their own future, isn't it? So even if they have the most dull two years or the most exciting two years, it's they all decide how valuable that will be for, for their next bit of their journey. Well, it's, it's that thing that people say, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I would rather it wasn't a 50-50 call. <laughs> um, and so a, an, an optimal appraisal is then saying, well, how does this make me stronger? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of it as a 50, but you're right. I think one of the things that when you're talking with people when they lose their when they lose their jobs, and I know this is something that we've spoken about in the past, is that naturally oh, they'd leave, they're out of a bad relationship or a relationship. And, of course, naturally they focus on that 80% of all the stuff, you know, they wanted it. Or no, not, not the 80%, that's the point. Or 80% of their conversation is rooted in the past. And I do try and take that into if you consider all of the amazing things that you could do because of what you've done in the past, isn't it? And it's that story of, of take that learning and, and get excited about what's possible in the future and remind them that they are, have got all of the skills necessary to do it. If, as long as they believe it, as long as they optimally. And, and that's where the, the present piece is so important, Warren, because if there's a bit missing in my experience, it will be the present. It'll be everybody else telling them, but don't worry, everything's going to work out well. You're go-. And what that is is positivity. 
rather than that considered optimism, which is the optimal appraisal of saying, well, actually, let's look at what you are experiencing. You didn't want that to happen. But what have you now experienced? And you've survived. So you now know that can happen and you're going, you'll survive it. So what expertise are you now developing during this time? You know, what do you now know for sure? Better to know, even though if you don't like it, but still better to know. So what are you now able to do that you're free to get your head up and make some choices? So given everything that you've gained over the whole time, and this is one of the key things about relationships or people coming out of jobs, is that they tend to have their past limited to when that relationship started and that relationship stopped. And they forget that there was a past before then. Okay. So what did you always want to be? So what did you always want to do? You know, what was the ambitions? What was the, so what was your whole past made up of? And what it does is it opens up that picture in their mind beyond just that one kind of painful experience as they look at it just now, emotionally. Right. And understanding the model means that you will use that model better to say, well, your past isn't, isn't defined quite as that. Or actually, let's not just talk about the job is how did you feel about it? How did your family feel about it? How was your work-life balance? What did you realize was really important to you in that job that is now crystal clear to you? Yeah, okay. Because there's, there's no one element that's the whole past. Exactly. Because then there's bits they're in denial of or bits they're not aware of or they've disconnected or forgotten. So helping reconnect, then everyone's past is going to be a kind of mixed bag yeah. rather than my, my, my past is now, you know, so emotionally negative or my recent past is so, so positive, everything's going great. Now I'm worried it's not going to continue. All I just want it to do is to continue in that same line. And this is where, you know, the good to great philosophy is not waiting till it's not so good to then try and be great actually go from good to great so when things are good and your past you feel is really positive then still so in the present why are you now in the strongest position you've ever been in and not just feeling strong but considering why you are in your strongest position ever validating it rather than just being an emotion you did all right so this is something i i, I love i love your art your optimism or positivity on getting the appraisal form done in 12 minutes. That's off to you for that. But I can really see how clearly you can use this in a formal structure with your team. I mean, in, in sort of more informal ways in relationships. And I like this idea of with yourself, as we sort of said, looking at your morning, looking at your week, looking at the last 10 years, looking at the last 50 years. For some of us, you can take all these different elements from the past and, and these experiences and, and why is it here? Why have you never been in a stronger position today to achieve something incredible tomorrow or, you know, next? Yeah. You'll get a lot, a lot of people who, and whether you can see it in yourself, you'll certainly see it in others. You think they're dwelling too much in the past. Yes. Um, and it's just because that 20% has become hundred percent or because they haven't kind of formalized it themselves to start off in the past and just stay there. If, if you're if the formal appraisal, if the forms and the admin uh, can't get done in 12 minutes, it's going to take 24 minutes, then make the appraisal two hours long and you still get the 20% or get that out of the way this time and make sure you're following up, but get the balance of it right. It's clear. That's a good non-negotiable, and I, I like that. But there's, there's equally one, and it's not just the people who live in the past. There's also some people who are criticised for living too much in the future. And that is also a valid criticism because they're never present. It's always, but everything's going to be great, everything's going to be great, and they're just ignoring the past and the present. The, the power in this is the combination of those three elements. The 20% is valid and important part of the process. You know, the 30% is valid and important part of the process. Just because the 50% piece is the biggest piece, it's not the only piece. It doesn't work without the other two. I think that makes so much sense. That reframing 
of everything, isn't it? It just allows you, I think you're right. If you're just too much in the future, then you're almost ignoring and dismissing the past. And if you're too much in the past, then I get that you're, you're going to let that define your future, but being present, that, that present piece, not, not being present as such, but that present piece, as you describe it, that trampoline piece, you're reframing everything. It just allows that future to be something so different and amazing and positive, isn't it? You've, you've given your, yourself that chance that opportunity that the space and and when I, I i deal with some people and they'll fall into if they fall into one of the two extremes one of the extremes is they will be kind of pessimistic almost cynical um about the future because they are so attached to the past and because the past is so mixed then the future is just going to be so mixed and yep. what they're missing is that present. I then deal with some people at the other extreme who are just super positive. It's all about the future. It's just going to happen. I've I've dreamt it, so it's going to occur. And as long as I keep sending good energy out to the world, it's going to happen. And what they are doing also is they've only got they, they're wanting to deny the past because they don't want that to affect the future, but they're in denial of it. So they're not actually using the past. So again, that's suboptimal. It's a, it's a nicer suboptimal. It's still suboptimal because the bit they don't have is the present. So what they're not doing is they're not building that inner self-confidence that I'm in a stronger position now than I've ever been. They just keep hoping fantastic things are going to happen. And I love that enthusiasm, but I get concerned that it's not built on anything and they don't have that self-development of I'm getting better so I should be I should be aiming for even better yeah. it's almost I'm going to ignore my past and just great things are going to occur yes now I see it works on so many different like straightforward stuff again like if you think of sales if you do 10 calls and you get 10 no's you can see one person saying as well i guess my next 10 are going to be no's because you know they're focusing on that the other ones go wow i've got better every single one of those i've used each one of these calls to perfect my pitch i can see you know the next 10 are going to be you know full of yeses you know even even at that most basic level to bigger things is that reframing of experiences it, it it will change what happens next to you that makes total sense okay that's good and on the three levels that we've always talked about that operational management strategic level at an operational level the importance is that we're aware that there are appraisals that can be optimal yes consciously in particular and formally for definite that we should be looking at the formal appraisals and saying, okay, I know this, this is a set play. I know I'm going to be doing this. So how do I do it optimally? How do I do it really, really well? Yeah. Then there's the informal stuff, which is just becoming, so an operational level, making sure we do, the, do it right and do it well and know what it looks like. At a management level, it's then starting to manage where more informal um, appraisal of things so how am I feeling about my future my relationships my finances my career my business my home the car all these things where I am in my life all those kind of things is that we manage ourselves to be more optimal in our appraisal of things that is more informal so not dwelling too much in the past but not ignoring it either yep. but making sure that we get that optimal and strategically the strategic level of this, which is a very sort of deep thing. We are programmed to constantly appraise and assess what's going on. It's part of our survival mechanism. You're assessing danger and risk and all these kind of things. So we're continually doing it. When you develop the discipline to formally and informally appraise optimally, you start to train your thinking subconsciously as this is your method, this is your process, this is the way you will start to look at and make sense of your world. Yes. So you can start to do that optimally, as opposed to being sporadic or inconsistent or worse, sceptical and even worse, cynical. Okay. But you will start to see the benefit of that subconsciously for all the things that you're continually making assessments and judgments and appraisals of. I like that. So this is it. So you're right. So 
at different levels then. So if you start doing this consciously on, as you say, on the operational level, great. Eventually this will, a bit like driving, this will become something you will do without even thinking and you'll do, and you'll, but you'll be doing the right thing. So, so it isn't going to be natural at the start. That's absolutely fine. Start on the operational and then let it deepen to the manager and then the strategic level. Yes. And that management piece is the informal stuff, the stuff that you'll be maybe a little bit more aware. I'm appraising that. And so how do I do optimally? So it's that's where your practice really comes in, is to start to develop that as your method. So you'll be more aware of the appraising the movie that you've just watched that you're talking to someone about, or you're appraising your day, your week, your month, you're appraising your health, your fitness, your diet, you're appraising these things. I start to look at those and the practices managing that and discipline to do this more as a, an optimal thing rather than just a kind of emotional suboptimal depends where I am thing. That's good. I mean, we haven't talked about football, so I think we can now talk about football. I mean, this is actually one of the weird things that's happened in the last five years is people talk about projects. And actually, just listening to you talk about it, this is how actually when people try to talk about their project, where I am today is setting us up for what we're going to be in the future. And everything that's happened in the past isn't necessarily going to be a linear line. There is reasons this is going, isn't it? They kind of people talk about their project and the philosophy in a way they're asking people to reframe what's happened in the past into a different way, which is quite clever. I guess when in a results business to say this isn't this doesn't have to be a linear line is that yeah but in a project is something you're wanting to learn and understand because you're testing and, and and all this kind of thing so that creates more of a sense of a present and on a fundamental level with people and I sit down with people and I say I've never been good at that. And they tell, you tell yourself that often enough, you then say, I'm not very good at that. You then start to say, so therefore, I will never be good at that. And that doesn't have to be the case. And, you know, until you've done it the first time, you've never done it. Once you've done it the first time, you've never done it. You now know which bits of it you're not good at. That, that's the thing. Because you're not going to be awful at all of it. It's, I now, I, I love that. I know for certain things, it actually adds a different element to me for that piece. The knowledge from before is kind of almost factual, but it's knowing something, a certainty about yourself, about how you feel or, or want something. You know, I now know for certain something I didn't know before. And failure is a great way of making that crystal clear sometimes. Yeah, and, and it's also, this is more of a relevant interjection 10 years ago, as if you like the role that social media plays and telling you how you should feel, telling you relative to other people's experience, other people's expertise in particular, because there's all these amateur gurus flat and throwing stuff at you uh, continually, you know, and what they know, which implies you don't, and what they're able to do, again, implying that you're not able to. All that does is that undermines that, you know, it's almost that message that we will be your trampoline for you. And you can't get there without us. And actually, that's that leads to suboptimal appraisals of yourself, that you feel that need rather than coming from a position of strength of, I have all these things, and therefore I should be aiming for that. So what can help me get there? So that it's a want rather than a need. It's a wanting to add rather than feel it's a lack of something. You know, and this is the, the difference you and I have talked a lot about, you know, coaching and self-coaching and what self-coaching does, and it does require a bit more work, is helps you to make optimal your appraisal on yourself and work on that and build your experience, your expertise, your knowledge and your ability, rather than give you just a, well, take this and you'll feel better. Because once yeah. that wears off, you're back to where you were before. Yeah, I, I see so many ways this touches different things. Like you talk about confidence and self-confidence. You know, if you're able to assess yourself optimally and, and see that, you know, this feeds into so many good things, doesn't it? It allows you to, to draw up purpose and, and the emotional management piece and resilience. I mean, and 
and even overwhelm and I can just see that this allows you the confidence. You know, this so this this feeds into confidence a lot, I can imagine, isn't it? Yeah. That optimally appraise everything you've done is gonna build your self-confidence, is when you look at yourself and say, I have this. Yeah. And optimally appraising therefore your world and the people who are in it, and also the people you observe in your world. That it becomes that habit, it becomes that uh, optimal way of doing things, maximizing returns on all your investments. So your time, your thoughts what you say, the words you use, everything becomes optimal. Particularly when there are so many things designed to chip away at that so that you need me, you need me. I would rather you wanted me rather than needed. I'd rather we can help you get from a nine to a 10 rather than me demoralising you to a two and then looking for you to pay me to get you to a five. Yep, it's good. I like it. I can use this. It's a model. I do use this a lot. I love it. I think it makes so much sense. I use and abuse it. That's the good thing about it for everyone out there. It can. T- it takes a lot of abuse. It can be bent around quite a lot. You can smack this with a hammer a few times and it still remains in good shape to be used. Yeah. Look, you and I have both been in rooms with teams of people on this and individuals and teams have shifted within minutes of going from we'll never be able to do that to should we not be even aiming for more than just that? It's incredibly powerful. I mean, I do. And at the moment, I mean, this is, we're we're getting towards the end of the year. And so everyone's starting to think about next year and the crazy targets and all the things that the last weird six months has, has taught people. And when you're able to, to reframe these last six months experience about what have they learned about themselves, their teams, their customers, their products, their services, you know, the good. And as you say, the good and the bad, it actually ends up being, wow, we we're in a, and you say you've never been in a stronger position than you are today. And it's true. And I love your positivity and optimism thing. This isn't a positive spin on it. It is true. This, you have never been in such a position to, to do or incredible things that you are available to you to do now it is it is you use the word right at the start transformational i really genuinely think this is one of the the biggest things you can do for yourself but for for teams of people to change to change the energy in a room this is always an incredible exercise cool yeah age is no barrier to this uh my my mother i help her through optimal appraisal and she's nearly 80, um, through this regularly. Uh, and, and all joking aside, it's been one of the most important things uh, because she's at a time where she, she will tend to live more in the past yeah. and forget yeah. that why she's in a stronger position now than she's ever been in. Even with all the kind of health issues and all the other things that have come along with the years that she's been around, but there's still a better future that she could be aiming for. Yeah. And for the people who mean the most to you around, you know, this, this is something that, why would you hold back on that? You know, this is something that, you know, helping others connect with their optimal appraisal is, is one of the greatest things you can do for people. I do like this. I say I do use a bit, but it's great to go through it properly with you again. There's, you really... And I've, I've got new stuff underlined. This is great. Thank you. Great. And we're done. Woohoo! Everyone claps and goes crazy. So there we have it. Optimal appraisals. I think you can see I'm quite enthusiastic about it. So, as I said at the start, we're taking a break for a couple of weeks and we'll be doing a optimal appraisal on all the stuff we've done so far. So the experience of recording 18 podcasts, I think there was one or two more which didn't make it. So has allowed us to gather lots of expertise and knowledge, some new abilities. For me, I did the sessions themselves. So I go over some topics new and old and learn from them. So that's always good learn something about podcasting, how they work, how they're set up, how you should market them, how you record them, 
some basic editing abilities, found out what we like to talk about, what's useful, what's valuable, what can be spoken about. I think there's a clearer knowledge and understanding of the structure of these conversations. Are we too conversational? Do the models we're trying to explain work in conversation? So I think there's a clear idea of what we're trying to achieve and how we can achieve it. It's good. I think we're qualified to do season two even better than we've done it this time. A lot bigger, more impactful. So it's worked. But the optimal appraisal hasn't really been done yet, so I'm sure there's going to be lots more layers. But you get the idea. You get what I'm trying to do anyway. So there we have it. This has been a roller coaster ride of a few months. I've enjoyed it. I feel I'm smarter. I feel I'm asking better questions of myself and the people I'm working with. Hope you are too. Again, any comments, thoughts, drop us a note. Please share this with those you think may enjoy it or get some value out of it too. But let us know what you'd like to hear from us in 2021. All the best.